And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 117 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 117. That's the number of runs scored by which Giants player in 2002? In 2002. Hmm. Let's see. 2002. Ah. How about Richard Rilia? Well, I'll give you a hint. He was on base 58% of the time. Oh, oh, Felipe <laughs> Crespo. <laughs> Barry Bonds, that was, uh, he hit 370 that year with 46 home runs, 582 on base percentage, uh, a ridiculous season, and he got better. And it got better. He did. He did. How did that happen, by the way? Uh, you know, exercise. Uh, lots of like, <laughs> lots of uh, reps. You know, laps around the track. He was, uh, he was a very fit man. Very fit man. Resistance bands. It's the wave of the future. <laughs> Resistance bands, CrossFit, you name it. All right, we are here to talk about Giants baseball and spring training and all the fun stuff that's going on. Not a ton of earth-shattering news, though. It's been a you know, as far as springs go, a. a slow week. And I guess no news is good news in a lot of ways. That means you're not dealing with nagging injuries or or other weird stories. Uh, So I guess Brandon Belt is the news. Brandon Belt, uh, he's alive. He's here. He's he's on the field doing baseball-related things. Yeah, I think you know it's been a slow news week in Giants camp when you see headlines that are like, major development, Brandon Belt takes batting practice. And I'm thinking to myself... (laughs) No, that's not a major development. Of course it's not. I mean, we know he missed some time, and he missed some time now because he had mono, and he found out he had, he had COVID in, in January and came through that. Okay, thank goodness. And uh, and then he got mono somehow. I'm, I'm not sure uh, uh, if he was, you know, sharing sharing straws with, with random people or, or what. But, um, yeah, that, that sucks. <laughs> but right. anybody who's had mono knows that it, it just takes you time to get your energy levels back. And, and um, you know, it caused him to miss some rehab on his heel. He says he's feeling great now. Um, is there enough time on the calendar for him to be ready by opening day? Probably not, but they're not ruling it out. Um, so, I mean, it's good to see him on the field. It's good to know that Brandon Belt is still, you know, alive and kicking and with us because, you know, people had not laid eyes on him. But, um, yeah, when, when we're at the stage when everyone is saying, you know, all is well, Brandon Belt is taking BP on the field, then... Um, yeah, we're, we're probably losing our perspective a little bit. So when he does the the Zoom call with reporters, I think the first question should be, and I might, I might have to ask this, is 
Hey, Brandon, where are you hanging out? Because <laughs> you got the darn COVID and you got mononucleosis. How can you get mononucleosis when the, the country's in lockdown? Like, I, that is fascinating to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I have not had, because you know, it's kind of a funny thing, uh, I, with all the isolation and all that, I haven't had COVID. I haven't had a common cold. I haven't sure. had the flu. I think the worst thing I did was give myself a stomach ache by eating too many spicy hot wings. And that's about it. Uh, apart from that, um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure how you get any transmissible diseases these days. Yeah, no, you and me both. I had uh, what's called a Kentucky and a hot loin. I made it myself where you pound a pork tenderloin and you put like 17 pounds of uh, uh, cayenne pepper on it. And that didn't do me well, but it also isn't mononucleosis. I just don't know how you catch that. I had mono when I was 20 uh, and it took me a full, you know, almost a year to recover. Uh, part of that was because I smoked a pack a day, but at the same time, uh, and, you know, maybe I didn't eat so much or, you know, maybe I ate like a pint of Ben and Jerry's a day because I was in college, <laughs> um, you know, but at the same time, it can wipe you out if, if you know, if you're not lucky. So it, it is something to watch. Uh, you know, we're not predicting doom and gloom. And I think the, the fact that he's out there on the field is a good sign, but that's not nothing like that is not just a, ah, you'll get better in a couple of weeks. So is your daily uh, regimen still include a pack of Camel Lights and a, a tub of Ben and Jerry's? No, no. You know, I, I, I've cleaned up a little bit. I quit smoking when I was like 22. Uh, I, I, eat Ben and Jerry's sparingly now. Um, I, I'm a much better, I still, you know, fry up a hot loin apparently and put cayenne pepper on it. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm much, much better. Good, 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 good. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. <laughs> I, I, I probably went through my phase as well. And and I even had a, a, a dipping phase for a little while too. And, and some of my brothers are still addicted to this stuff. It's it's uh, it's bad news, man. And Nasty um, stuff, nasty stuff. I did not need Tony Gwynn to come along to, to make me realize that this is something I should never, ever put in my body. But after that happened to one of the most popular, talented, just ebullient people baseball's ever known, it boggles my mind why anybody in a major league dugout would put a dip in. It just, I mean, how, how could you now? How could you? So hopefully, you know, maybe that'll be a thing of the past because people weren't supposed to dip and, and, and be able to spit in dugouts and stuff like that. So, you know, may, maybe some of that is, is, is changing culturally. Let's hope. Now, let's not change the subject too much. Let's get back to Brandon Belt eventually. But a real quick question. Tony Gwynn, the most beloved player ever, would you think? Do, does he have competition? Wow. I mean, it's it's really hard to imagine someone who is both universally respected and just absolutely cherished the way that Tony Gwynn was over his career. And not just in San Diego. You felt like he was bigger than just San Diego, even though he was the ultimate example of a guy who stayed in a, in a smaller market his whole career. He kind of belonged to everybody. That's the way you feel about him. And then, obviously, he shaped a generation of baseball players as a coach as well. Um, you know, his, his son played in the big leagues. Uh, his brother played in the big leagues. So, yeah, boy... Off the top of my head, it's hard to come up with somebody else. I'll tell you what. People in Atlanta love Dale Murphy. He's one mm. guy who comes to mind. Just super wholesome, always upbeat. You know, people have great fond memories of, of what a, a great player he was. That's the first guy who comes to mind, and I'm sure there's lots, lots more. Yeah, no, because I just think even when you get someone who's pretty much universally like, like Steph Curry, you know, you still have people like, ah, that guy's cocky. You know, you still get like a couple of the haters coming out of the woodwork. With Tony Gwynn, forget. 
got it. No one's going to be like, Tony Gwynn, that guy thinks he's all that. Like, no, everyone loves freaking Tony Gwynn. All right. And, and he signed tons of autographs. I mean, he, he signed more autographs than almost anybody, I, any superstar player I've ever seen. And he also had the greatest laugh. <laughs> I once that asked is... him, I said, I said, what do you think about the, the, the league going back to an unbalanced schedule? He said, well, it's great. I got to face Randy Johnson 19 times a year now. <laughs> I mean, it that's was pretty good. It's, it's just hard to think that that laugh has gone out, you know, but uh, it, that's always going to be ringing around in my head. I just, just joyfulness. I did not know you had a Tony Gwynn impersonation up your sleeve. That is, we, we learn something new every day. I mean, a Jeff Goldblum impersonation probably is more applicable in, in different life events, but, you know, I'll take what I got. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, well, I don't know. All right, we'll move on to, to Brandon Belt. So he's healthy and he might be on the opening day roster, but I'm hard pressed to think of a position the Giants are better suited to miss. Like, if Belt were to miss some time, they have players on the roster. Like, they have guys on the roster who can take over for Brandon Belt if need be. You've got LaStella. You know, you've got Wilmer Flores. You have Austin Slater can do some time there. I don't think he's going to do much first base, but you have Darren Ruff. You have Jason Vossler. Brandon Belt was both incredibly valuable to the Giants' offense last year. At the same time, replaceable isn't the word, but the Giants can minimize the harm of missing Brandon Bell. Yeah, I think they have different options they can play at first base. So you could argue they have a couple of DHs on their roster and they're not going to have a DH aside from, you know, the obviously opening the season in Seattle. So yeah, I mean, if you have Wilmer Flores playing at first, that means you don't have Wilmer Flores playing at third. So I mm-hmm. think that we can all probably agree that is a good thing, even though there was that game when he kind of forgot to step on first base uh, <laughs> and, and led to one of Trevor Gott's blown saves. But yeah, you know, Darren Ruff, I think is perfectly serviceable over there. We do know know that having Brandon Belt's defense makes a difference over the course of a season. It definitely does. And he's one of their very best hitters. He's probably their best on-base guy. They could hit him in a lot of different spots in the lineup uh, where they don't maybe have to stretch somebody else by hitting him at the top of the lineup. It'll be really interesting to see how they construct that lineup. We know that they like Tommy LaStella and and Yaz up top, but uh, you know, do you put Belt in a run-producing spot? Do you put him a little bit lower? Do you put him a little bit higher? They won't have that opportunity to sort of take a look at lineups with Brandon Belt in it too much because, you know, he's, he's still a ways away from getting into an exhibition game. But yeah, no question. He's, he's a guy who is, you know, was, was their most valuable offensive player last year and, and probably will be again. So as much as they can cover the position, I do think that their lineup takes a big time hit if they don't have Brandon Belt in it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Now, it's easy to look at Brandon Belt's season and and kind of poo-poo it and just say, ah, you know, shortened season, freakish season, 60-game season. I'm not so sure. I mean, it was just a 60-game season. At the same time, you had real signs with him that something was different. He was hitting the ball in the air more. He was, uh, he was When he got the ball in the air, it left the park more. His walk rate was the highest of his career. He, you know, There were all these things that made you think, maybe he's really taking to this Giants approach of having 30 coaches on staff and, and really kind of tailoring an individual approach for, for each player. Maybe he took to that. Maybe there's something to it. Or maybe we're talking about 179 plate appearances and it's just sample size nonsense. Where do you fall on that? I think it's a little of everything, but I, I even had that sense before last season started that, and this is no knock against Bruce Bochy whatsoever, but we know that, uh, you know, maybe Bruce Bochy didn't quite value some of the things that Brandon Belt was really, really good at. You knew that there were a lot of times that he was frustrated that Belt wouldn't protect on a, a, a two-strike pitch, and he'd strike out looking, and then you'd always hear about the slumpy shoulders as he comes back to the dugout. And and I do think that there were times that, that, that there were coaches on the staff who thought, you know what, man up a little bit, you know, protect, take a bigger swing early in the count, or, or or you know, don't look to to work a walk. You know, look to do some damage, and 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 I think that kind of undersold a lot of the value that Belt has. And and uh, there were times that he needed to expand a little bit and protect because you, you have your zone, you don't go out of your zone. But if you know that it's a big situation and 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 you just can't afford to strike out with two outs, you know, don't leave it in the umpire's hands if you know that umpire's giving the outside corner uh, on a given day. So there were times I think that there 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 was a knock. On Brandon Belt that he needed to compete a little bit more. But, you know, his counter argument is you take me out of my zone. That's one of my best skills. That's one of the things that I'm most confident in. You know, over time, this approach is going to lead to a lot more uh, numbers, uh, better numbers, better production. And yeah, I mean, you look at his hard hit percentage, 84th percentile, uh, his XWOBA, 97th percentile last year, his barrel percentage, 96th percentile uh, in 2020. It was a fantastic year. I mean, he was one of the best hitters in baseball last year. Some of that, I think, is the park. It was a little more conducive to him. That probably made a little bit of a difference. But I think the biggest thing is he had he had a coaching staff and a team that he knew believed in the way he played. And I think that helped to reinforce all of the good habits. And the other thing is, he's a guy whose value, what he does, is enhanced when you're in a lineup that works, that's functional. If you have a guy who walks 100 times and you have a team that can't hit, well, then that those walks are not going to be manifested into runs because nobody else is going to drive you in. Uh, so I think that you know when you're someone who can feed the machine with uh, you know a 400 on base percentage, uh, and all of a sudden you've got guys who can drive you in, then 
it's almost like, okay, your value is being realized in, in, in runs and in wins. And that's the stuff that people notice. One of the most remarkable things, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of the most remarkable things to me about Brandon Bowden is that 22 games into the season, okay? So 22 games into the season takes you to that Trevor Gott blown save against the A's where Wilmer, Wilmer Flores didn't step on first base. At that time... A, the Giants looked miserable and, and like they were heading for 100 losses somehow in a 60-game season. <laughs> and, and B, Brandon Belt was hitting 128 at that moment. Yeah. He had he had played in 14 games and he had a 458 OPS. He looked like he was on the ticket to getting released. He looked like he was just not going to be a part of the Giants' plans going forward. The next day he started. And I think that was big. I mean, I think it's just, you know, he, he was struggling, he was struggling, and Kapler did not take him out. Um, after that, he went bananas. He hit 373 with a 489 on base percentage, uh, eight home runs, a 1207 OPS. He was, I mean, kind of Bonzian in a little bit for those those final 30, 37 games. Uh, I don't know. It's the switch that flipped wasn't just like, wow, he had a, a, a pretty solid season. Good for him. He he was hitting better than he ever had in his career, which is just mind boggling. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not just the walk rates. It's uh, going up. It's the fact he was barreling up a lot of stuff. And this is a guy who hits the ball in the air, hits it in the air a lot. His average launch angle is one of the highest in in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, you have a guy who uh, all of a sudden that launch angle can kind of work a little bit better in your ballpark. I mean, it, it, it made a big difference. And actually, his launch angle was a little bit lower last year. Um, it had always been like 23%, 22%. Uh, it was down to 18% last year. So I think he was hitting more line drives as well. And and that means fewer balls uh, in the air were caught. Yeah. Now, he is a fascinating, fascinating player to watch this year just because it's easy to look at the Giants roster and say, uh, you know, they, they're going to regress. Everyone's going to regress. But what if they don't? You know, like anyway, specifically a player like Belt, what if he's just really taken to this Giants philosophy of don't worry about the pitches you can't do damage on because he knows the strike zone better than the umpire. You know, he knows what pitches he can't do damage on. He's going to ignore those ones that are that are up and away, even if they're in the strike zone. He's a very compelling player to watch in this Giants system. Seems like a, a pretty solid match of what the Giants are looking for from their hitters and a hitter's ability to do what he can with in that strike zone. Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of like the fact that he's one of the last Giants remaining from the championship teams because, you know, for, for good reason, there's there's plenty uh, of, of love showered on Brandon Crawford and, and, and Buster Posey, Madison Bumgarner, uh, pa- Pablo Sandoval go down the line. But, you know, Brandon Belt has made some pretty huge contributions uh, to, to those uh, two World Series championships in 12 and 14. Obviously, none bigger than the the, the home run that allowed us all to, to not freeze to death <laughs> that night in Washington when, when we came pretty close. In fact, I think Lowell Cohn actually did die that night. Uh, he was making rest sort of peaceful. haunting noises. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. But um, no, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to, to have a little more time to reflect on Brandon Belt and just what he's meant because, I mean, this is a guy you, we've always heard about the Belt Wars for years and years, and I guess some people are still fighting them, maybe, but uh, yeah. it shouldn't oh, yeah. be because, uh, you know, Brandon Belt has, has, even though he hasn't had the 30 homer, 115 RBI, you know, finish in the top five in the MVP balloting kind of season, um, it, 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 he's put together a pretty nice career. And, uh, um, 
and and yeah, it is kind of funny to look back and 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 think that this is a guy who's going to go down as as a pretty key member of two World Series championship teams and, and a, one of the better players in, in the NL for close to a decade. And there are a lot of fans in his own uh, his own uh, city that that just are, have a polarizing sort of view of him. But you know, so maybe we have a little Brandon Belt appreciation time here. Yeah, no, that that that's fair. You know, as the person who uh, coined the term Belt Wars, I can assure you that uh, there will always be partisans in the hills. They they you cannot <laughs> flush them out. They cannot be found. They are going to use guerrilla war. It's they are relentless. Bless them. Uh, yeah, it, the thing that fascinates me, and and then we'll move on, but. Brandon Belt has had a fantastic career by any measure. When you talk about how hard it is to reach the majors, how hard it is to be a starter in the majors, just by these metrics, just lasting for a decade, uh, give or take, is is really, really impressive. And I think 3%, 2%, there was no, actually, it's the focus of uh, the baseball prospectus annual this year, the the essay. It's really, really hard, you know, to do that, to be in the majors for 10 years at this level. Russell Carlton wrote a, a fantastic essay in Baseball Prospectus about He's all, he's one of the three percent, one of the two percent, or something like that. Like it's just impossible to do that. Uh, and at the same time, this is a franchise that really loves J.T. Snow. I mean, like a, a fan base, I should say. J.T. Snow. No one says a bad word about J.T. Snow. I mean, everyone loves him. He was just a, a kind of a, a a golden boy for for many many years. Belt is way better than Snow. Way better than Snow. I mean, it, no no slight to J.T. Snow. Fantastic love. Did a lot of good things for the franchise. Belt has been better by almost any measure you can look at. And, you know, people forget that. Yeah, you know, the Giants won the game in Washington. They didn't win the game that Snow homered off uh, Armando Benitez. <laughs> so there right. you go, by that measure. I'm glad you mentioned Russell Carlton. This guy is fantastic if you haven't read any of his work. So um, good. What, what an interesting uh, background. Someone who is very much well-versed in sabermetrics and analytics, but also comes from a psychology background and has worked as a therapist and totally gets the human element and how that plays into a lot of what we think of as very impersonal, um, objective uh, measures of, of performance. And I'm reading his book right now, um, The Shift, uh, The Next mm. Evolution in Baseball Thinking. And I got to be honest. I shouldn't say this out loud, but <laughs> I don't read a lot of baseball books. I sure. just don't. We read so much, you know, uh, uh, sort of, you know, daily ephemera of, of reporting to keep up with what's going on. It can be hard to find time for me to write or to read some of the, you know, some of the really excellent work that's being done on the book level. Um, and I just don't get around to it. Uh, but you know, this one, I, I just, I read enough of his essays. I thought this guy's just really interesting. He comes at it from a very different perspective and one that I think I can learn a lot from. And also it's Madison Bumgarner on the cover, which is, uh, you know, staring <laughs> you down uh, with his glove raised in front of his face. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a really good book. So I, I'm giving it my full recommendation. Pick it up if, uh, if, if you, are looking for something to dig into, The Shift by Russell Carlton. No, I will always be in the market for some Russell Carlton praise because he he is the very best at combining statistics with readability. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people who can do stats well, a lot of people who can do numbers and, and really kind of dig down into that. It's hard to make it readable. It's hard to make it fun and enjoyable. And he's one of the best at, at having that balance of I'm learning something, but it's it, my brain isn't leaking out of my ears. Like it's, it's, a, it's a good mix. So more Russell Carlton praise the better. It's like making Brussels sprouts delicious. It is possible. <laughs> you just put a 
crap ton of bacon in them. Well, you know what? I've always I've always had a problem with the people's like, well, you know, you can make anything taste good if you put butter on it or whatever. You know, Brussels sprouts are terrible. You have to doctor them up. It's the same thing with potatoes. Like, you can't just bite into a potato and have it be delicious. You got to doctor it up. You know, even if you bake a potato, you're not going to eat that stuff without anything on it. <laughs> so I, I, to the people who have that complaint about Brussels sprouts, I fi, fi on you. Brussels sprouts are delicious. I, oh, we I love just them. all had them had them completely over steamed to the point where they were gray and think they're absolutely terrible but uh yeah no we, are we going to talk about Brussels sprouts now for 20 minutes? We could. This is a pro Brussels sprouts podcast. That is for yeah. sure. Now, you know what? Let's let's switch gears and, and talk about the spring training roster, because uh, about an hour or two ago before we, we recorded this podcast, there were cuts and they weren't quite cuts because, OK, so the Giants cut a bunch of players. They cut uh, Marco Luciano, uh, Will Wilson, Logan Wyatt, a bunch of prospects. They cut uh, Jalen Davis might be the only minor surprise. But they're not quite cut because then they released the roster for today's game against the Royals. And on the bench is Marco Luciano, uh, you know, <laughs> Ricardo Henneves. Like, you know, they're they're there, but they're not there. They're like a Zen cone. Should we read anything into these roster cuts or is it just technicality stuff? Yeah. So um, I wrote a piece last week uh, that kind of looked at the Twilight Zone weirdness of the fact that uh, basically you have lines on the MLB transactions page. Uh, that look like the Colorado Rockies have reassigned left-handed pitcher Jake Wincoop to the Colorado Rockies. And uh, that <laughs> sort of meta type of thing is happening because there's no minor league camp to reassign them to. Um, the Giants did say that they reassigned players to minor league camp, but they followed up with a text to the beat writers that said, well, not really. There is no minor league camp. So they're basically being reassigned right back to their locker, but they're not going to make major league meal money. And um, the big reason I think that, that you're seeing this big wave now is is, well, it's Monday and players get their meal money on Tuesdays. That's one. Um, but the bigger thing is that there's there's something hidden in the CBA. And I wrote about this last week. And tomorrow would have been the last day that you could option a player um, or reassign a player and then not have to worry about them getting hurt in an exhibition game and being put on the major league disabled list. So for example, Jalen mm. Davis, they optioned him today. They can bring him back next week and play him in a game at Surprise Stadium against the Rangers or whatever. And if he gets hurt, they don't have to put him on the major league disabled list and pay him major league money because they've optioned him by the 16th of March. And uh, that's why teams are, are, do, are ma- making these moves now because they do want to bring these guys back and have them fill out Cactus League rosters because they don't have minor leaguers and minor league camp to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, they don't want to put themselves in a position where they're risking, okay, if they get hurt, now we've got to put them on the major league DL. So that's kind of the paper move behind it. The other thing is that, you know, they're going to have to start going to B games and, and, and scheduling B games with other teams. Um, you know, because all these guys, you do want that sense as lockers empty out and there are 75 guys and it's Grand Central Station early in camp. And then there are cuts and waves of cuts and waves of cuts. And then the lockers empty out. And, and by about the last week, you look around and there's about 30 guys there and you're like, okay, this is getting the feeling of the season's getting close and we're getting that anticipation. And, and this is going to be the team we're going to have uh, to start the year. And, and you still want that sense, I think, if you're a manager or a coach or, or a player. So, um, we'll figure out what they do, but you know teams are, are are doing it in different ways. But it is definitely a weird 
spring to be <laughs> to have cuts that are not really cuts. Now, I am currently writing a piece about the players who weren't cut. And if we can read too much into this, because I love reading too much into something. And there's three that stick out for me that, that maybe you could have seen them getting cut or uh, maybe them sticking around does mean something. And the first one is Elliot Ramos. Uh, I think... We know he's not going to be on the opening day roster just because he would have to be added to the 40-man. There's logistical reasons you're starting a service time, even though you're not supposed to say that. At the same time, if he just keeps impressing everyone and keeps barreling up that ball, is there a chance? I mean, should we read into him being on the roster? For me, the big takeaway is the fact he's still there tells me that they believe he's going to be in the big leagues this year. Hmm. They want to see more of him. They want him to work more with the major league staff. They want him to get more at-bats in these exhibition games because they think he's going to be a factor this year. That, that to me, is... I I don't know how you would come to any other conclusion uh, besides that. Now, is he going to start the year with them? It's really hard to, to say that that's likely at all. I mean, there's... You know, service time shenanigans, but this is also a guy who just hasn't had a lot of minor league at bats. He's got 20 games, 22 games or whatever above A ball. So I think they recognize that he needs more uh, exposure in the minor leagues. But at the same time, you know they're going to have to wait a month after the season starts uh, to be able to get those at-bats in the minor leagues. So they're trying to load them up with as much experience as they can. And if you're someone that they believe is going to be a part of this team this season, um, then then you're you're probably going to hang around a little bit longer. All right. Can you say everything you just said but slower while I type it out? (laughs) Because that would save me some time. No, I think you're exactly right. I think it is just – it's common – And at the same time, that part about triple A not starting until May, that is a factor. That is a wrinkle that, you know, we can look at the 40 man roster and and well, there's not an obvious spot for him. And, oh, you're starting his service time early. Maybe they value that month in the major leagues as opposed to a month at an alternate site without games. Maybe there's value for a 21 year old that transcends all the other stuff and that it would be just as important to have him or more important to have him on the major league roster. Maybe we're overlooking that. Well, I think one thing that the teams are starting to figure out now, and and this became official with, uh, you know, them delaying the AAA season until until May. And, and, and part of that is because you, you need to have your alternate site guys be in a quasi bubble, which they couldn't if, if your alternate site guys were at AAA. Um, they're going to have to figure out who do we keep behind to be in minor league camp and play in camp scrimmages every day and, and uh, uh, you know, and get that work in at the complex in, um, in April uh, and get, you know, four or five at bats or be able to lead off every inning if you want, because you can, you know, run innings or roll innings or what have you. I mean, there's a lot that, that, that can be gained for the, the guys who were optioned or reassigned to stay in Scottsdale and be a part of minor league camp for a month. Whereas the guys that you have at the alternate site, you know, we already know what that looks like. It's really hard to get more than an at bat or two a day because there's only so many side sessions that pitchers can have because they got to stay ready in case you're on the big league roster. So I think you're going to see these alternate site guys are going to be a lot of the veterans. And that's why I think it's important that they have the Scott Kazmiers and the Yamaguchis and all these guys they brought in uh, late because they don't want their prospects to be, you know, cool in their heels for a month as alternate site guys. You know, Joey Bart is not going to be an alternate 
alternate site guy. Chadwick Trump is going to be an alternate site guy uh, or, or a, a taxi squad guy. So I, I, I think that uh, what they do with Ramos, I, I would expect that he would not be an alternate site guy. I think they want him to be getting a lot more work on a daily basis. And that's probably going to happen uh, in, in minor league camp in, in April in, in Scottsdale. All right. The other one I saw that that sort of caught my eye is that Stephen Duggar still there, and you've been impressed with him uh, so far in camp. Are we overlooking his chance to say to make a roster over, say, Darren Ruff? I mean, does he fit the roster a little bit better? Well, I think he 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 does something that no one else does, and that's play a plus center field. I mean, who else can you point to on this roster and say that they play? You know, a better than serviceable center field. I, I don't think, you know, as much as they're talking up Mike Yastrzemski and they think his metrics d- did him no favors and he was very close to making a couple of plays that he didn't make, uh, there, there's just, you watch Steven Duggar and there's nobody who can play center field like he can. And if he can just hit a little bit and give you some consistency and, and, and cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, uh, and work a few more counts. And, you know, another thing he hasn't really done well is is show a lot of um, ability on the bases in terms of base stealing. But, uh, you know, he's been working on that quite a bit as well. So if he can start to show some value in those other aspects of his game, I mean, he's a guy that you're going to want in center field a lot, especially as a late inning defensive replacement. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a very interesting guy. And, you know, it, it was a really good conversation on his Zoom call with reporters a few days ago when he mentioned, you know, hey, Alex Dickerson was in his late 20s. Yastrzemski was in his late 20s. These guys, you know, uh, didn't give up on themselves and they had people who didn't give up on them. And you saw what happened. And uh, people develop at different times or they learn things at different rates or they have trouble staying healthy at some point in their careers and then they get healthy. And, uh, you know, I think this is a guy who who still has a lot of intriguing skills um, and there isn't a lot there to really give you a, a confidence that he's going to be, um, you know, a, a major league contributor with the bat over the long haul. But he also is a guy who who had a decent walk rate in uh, in college and in the low minors. So you know it's within him to to control the zone a little bit, and it's it's just going to be. Uh, I think I, I would not give up on this guy being someone who can help the Giants this year and maybe even help them in a way that is kind of unique. All right. This has been episode 117 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. Uh, pretty soon the season's going to start and we will go back to our old schedule, the, the Monday, Thursday schedule that you all know and love. Until then, thanks for listening. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.